0: Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Bear. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Welcome to our 11 o'clock service. Um, we are in the Gospel of Matthew, right. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, today we'll be in chapter 7. We'll be finishing up chapter 7. So we've been doing the Sermon on the Mount for a a few weeks. And we're getting to the end of it. And we started this actually last week uh, when Jesus was talking about uh, false prophets and false teachers and in fact if you go back the week before that he talked about the two ways right we can go through the broad way or we can go through the narrow way the narrow gate is a difficult path that it leads to eternal life and the broad way is where everybody wants us to go uh, it's very accommodating uh, but it leads to destruction and, and Jesus talked about this last week as well because he said beware of false prophets who come in to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they're ravenous wolves You'll know them by their, their fruits. And we spent some time last week, if you remember, talking about how deceptive, how, how deceptive some of this teaching can be. Because they've, they've dressed up in, in sheep's clothing. They look like us. They use many of the same words we use. In fact, they'll use the Bible. They'll use scripture. But they'll mix truth with a little bit of a, of a lie. And, and Jesus, remember, he, says, he said last week, he said, depart from me. Depart from me, those who practice lawlessness. I I never knew you. And this is the the fate of those who are are teaching us uh, false. You know, all the way back in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was making some statements that were quite radical. They were quite radical. We started with the Beatitudes, which is a word for blessings. And they were were radical because he, he talked about nine groups of people that we don't often think are blessed. These are people that were downhearted. These were people that had difficult lives and, and often society looked down at them, but Jesus said they were, they were blessed. Remember, he, said, he talked, these nine groups, he said, blessed are the poor, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those are that are merciful, that are persecuted, that are peacemakers, that are pure in heart. And the people were amazed because these nine groups were, were surprising. Because the popular opinion is God wasn't blessing these people. He was blessing the other people. He wasn't blessing the people that were persecuted. He was blessing the people that were above the persecution or often were doing the persecuting. But Jesus turned the world upside down. You see, the words of Jesus are are truth. We don't care what the popular opinion is. I don't need to take a survey and find out if 98% of the theologians agree or if 51% of the, the population agrees with these statements. If Jesus said them, they're true. They're foundational truth. And that's the topic of my message today, foundational truth. We're going to be talking about two builders, one that built on the sand and one that built on the rock. We're going to see Jesus again, breaking us up into two different groups, one that is wise and one that is is foolish. We're beginning in chapter 7, verse 24, and you can read it in your bulletin or you can see it on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, the topic of my message is foundational truth. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And, and that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We can all go home. No. They're astonished, not because of these words, but all of the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus spoke not as the scribes, but he spoke as one that had authority. You know, in this, in this passage, Jesus is going to challenge his hearers, and that includes us, to make a decision. You know, virtually all religious leaders around the world claim, claim that Jesus was a good teacher. Many claim him to be the Messiah. They call him the Son of God. Uh, but he's, he's much more than that. He's the, he's the truth. You know, in the, in the book of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, when we pick up the Bible, we have the truth. But the reason it's the truth is because it's the words of Jesus. Jesus is the foundational truth of our life. This is exactly why he said, enter through the narrow gate. Don't go through the broad way. Jesus is asking us to make a decision. It actually started a few weeks ago with the gates. Last week with the teachers, the false teachers. Jesus takes says, make a decision. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to, to follow? Jesus gave us options. He said there were two gates leading to two different roads. There were two trees. One produced good fruit, the other produced rotten fruit. There were two kinds of prophets, two outcomes. One was true, the other one was false. And this, in, the, in the passage today, Jesus is giving us two builders, two people that were building a house. Um, one was wise and the other one foolish. It's a, it's a parable. It's a It's a metaphor. Because Jesus is not talking about how to build a house. I mean, these people that were building these houses were obviously not builders because builders know you don't build houses on sand. You know that, right? I mean, but these two builders are contrasted, and they're contrasted because one was foolish and the other one was wise. But if you notice, they were doing the same thing. They both built houses. They both wanted a house to live in. They wanted a roof over their head. They wanted a window to even let the sun in and keep the rain out. They wanted a sturdy door that would be open to guests and be closed to strangers. Uh, They wanted the same thing. And Jesus says this. He tells us they have something else in common. They were both exposed to the gospel. They both heard the words of Jesus. In verse 26, it says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine." Everyone who hears these things, now here's the thing, if you're in Florida and, and you keep your eyes open and your ears open, it's almost impossible not to hear the gospel. I mean, it really is. I mean, we live in a country where we have the First Amendment and if you turn on the radio, if you turn on the TV, if you walk around, you're going to see people that are proclaiming the gospel. I mean, not only do we have seven churches here in celebration, we've got three colleges. Did you know that? We've got Florida Christian University, we've got Central Christian University, and we've got Faith Christian University in Winter Park. We've got, we've got, we've got radio stations, we've got Christian schools, we've got uh, Christian TV stations. There's all kinds of ways to be able to hear the gospel. But Jesus is going to be saying that some are wise and some are foolish. And the difference is, is whether you apply these teachings of Jesus Jesus is not talking about foundations, and it's too bad because I want to talk about our houses. Carol and I have been married now for over 40 years. A few years ago, my bio said that we had been married 30-plus years. And at the time, my son was turning 40. So so my wife said, I think it's time for you to update the bio. We've been married more than 40 years. In fact, we're we're approaching another big number. Um, But over the years, we've had a number of opportunities, and you probably have as well, to buy some new houses. New houses are, are kind of fun. You get to, you, sometimes you get to pick uh, the, furniture, or the, the colors of the cabinets or uh, what kind of garage you have or where the doors are. Or you get to the elevation you get to pick. So those are, those are fun. Well, when we were first married, we were living in Michigan, and we bought an older house. I think the house was built in 1929. Uh, and in Michigan, houses come with basements, and basements are part of the foundation. And there's basically two types. There's, there's typically concrete block, you know what concrete block is. It's built on top of each other. And the other one is poured concrete. And I both, both are, are adequate foundations. Now, in, in Michigan, as well as Pennsylvania where we live, sometimes the foundation would actually be part of the first floor. So, for example, in the front of the house, it would look like a two-story house, but in the back of the house, it was a three-story house because the foundation was had a, the, the basement level would actually have a walkout, would have windows on it. Our son and our daughter-in-law lived with us for a while in Pennsylvania. Well, we had a walkout. But I want to talk about our first foundation because I, I wasn't the builder, but, but the, and the, quite frankly, the house was old, so I understand. But it was a concrete block, and obviously after we moved in, we found out that the concrete block was, was cracked. It wasn't a serious crack. The foundation was still solid, but it was letting in some water. Uh, the water table in Michigan, you know, in, in Michigan, you could throw a rock and hit a lake. I mean, there's lakes everywhere. And there's a lot of water, and the water was see, coming into our basement. And I, I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of knowledge, but I went to the hardware store and I got some of this hydro cement. This hydro cement, I don't know maybe you know what it is. Some of the guys maybe know what it is. And it basically looks like regular paint, but it's real thick. So you slap it on the wall and the idea is it holds the water back. The water doesn't come through. So I put some of that on and it showed my wife. And she said, oh, that's nice. I mean, it was, it was, it was holding back the water for a while you know, just for a while, because within a couple of weeks, all of a sudden, there was another leak. or we coming around that and coming on somewhere else. So over a period of six or seven months, most of the back wall was covered with this hydro cement. It looked like a, a stucco wall. It wasn't supposed to be a stucco wall, but it was all over the place. And I felt like the little Dutch boy. You know I mean, the story of the little Dutch boy with the putting his finger in the dike because the water's coming through? And that's what I was like. So that was our, that was our first experience with foundations. And I would have loved to tell you that story, but this is not about foundations. This is about decisions, and this is about truth. Jesus is giving us a parable, a metaphor. All of us understand building houses. Jesus says, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on a stand. Stand. Jesus says everyone because there's a universal application to this story. And there's a universal application to the Sermon on the Mount. All of the things that Jesus has been teaching us in the last three chapters, everything that we've been going over the last four or five months are for our benefit. We have a choice to make. Jesus says everyone who hears and who does not do them is foolish now first thing is we have to understand that hearing is important the bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so we have to be able to hear the words of god so for those of you that are coming to to church and listening to sermons and reading your bible and listening to christian radio and getting teaching that's wonderful that's how we that's how we fill ourselves with the truth it's important to at least know what the truth is and and what we do here we when we hear we hear the words of, of jesus See, the importance here is not so much the words, but it's actually the speaker. The speaker is Jesus. Jesus is telling us the the truth. The Bible says that Jesus is the the word of God. Jesus would tell in the parables, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he would say things like this. He'd say, you've heard it said, but I tell you, right? Because Jesus is clarifying, what he's clarifying, he's clarifying truth. He's clarifying the truth. These are, these are the words of, of Jesus. These are the foundational words. And, and, and they're extremely important because uh, truth mixed with a little bit of lie is all lie. This is what we talked about yesterday or last week with these false teachers. They, they look like us. They're in sheep's clothing. They call themselves pastors and priests and they've got collars, but they're mixing truth with just a, a little bit of lie. But you see, it's, it's all lie. It's kind of like if somebody put something in your porridge that was bad, it would ruin the porridge. Or, a more contemporary example is my wife and I love ice cream. I love chocolate ice cream, and often my wife will tell us that we're not having a big dinner. We're having a relatively light dinner, which is great. We get excited because that means we can have ice cream a little bit later, right? Because, because. You know, you can't just keep on eating, but I love the ice cream. And we have chocolate ice cream, and I love the chocolate ice cream, and there's a number of different brands I like, but I'm, I, I really like the chocolate ice cream. And, and imagine that I give you a bowl of chocolate ice cream, or somebody gives me a bowl. Give it to me, because what I'm going to say is not very pleasant. And, and it's, it's, all, it's 99.9% chocolate ice cream, but there's a little bit of dog poo in it. I would not eat that ice cream. Okay, I I can't eat the ice cream if it's got a little bit of something else in it. Truth with a little bit of lie is no truth at all. And that's what Jesus was telling us this last week. And this is what Jesus is telling us today, to embrace the foundational truth of the gospel and take it unadulterated straight from Jesus. Understand what Jesus is saying. Don't mix it with something else. Don't accommodate your sin and saying, well, the words of Jesus really doesn't matter. The truth of the gospel is not the most important or the very important. It is literally the truth. It's the truth because it's the words of Jesus. It's the very foundation of everything that we have in our life. And what Jesus is giving here with this analogy is we are building something. What are we building? is isn't so much a house, but it's our life. And throughout your life, if you look back, whether it's 50, 60, 70, or 80 years, you can realize that we have built things. We've built our families. We have built our Finances, we've built our homes. We've built our retirement plans. In fact, if you're sitting here today, you're here because you built a good retirement plan. You're able to come and live comfortably here at the Windsor because you built a retirement plan. And we build truth upon truth, season upon season. We, By stage by stage, we understand what we need to do. And those that are wise build wisely, and you do that with your finances, you do that with your housing, you do that with your children, and you need to do it with the truth of God's word, step by step, stone by stone, decision by decision, minute by minute. The question is whether you're going to be wise or you're going to be foolish. Those that are wise follow the things of Jesus, and they do what he tells us to do. So let's go back to our scripture Day I want to show you the comparison between the wise and the foolish. If you notice, they're almost identical. In fact, the words that Jesus uses are so similar, and they're so similar for a reason, because it looks like they're doing the right types of things. It says this, The wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And then notice the set, the foolish man. He's, we're going to use the same words. The foolish man who built his house on the sand, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on his house, but the outcome is different. It fell, and great was its fall. So so what's happening here? Well, why is Jesus doing this? He's telling us because they're so similar, but both of them had to be tested. You see, the house, when it was first built on the sand or whether it was built on the rock or any decision you make looks fine the next day, but eventually it's tested. It's tested. And that's where the proof is coming, is when it's tested. Because when, when life is tested, when it becomes difficult, that determines the difference between the wise and the foolish. Why, one did not fall because it was founded on the rock. The other one built on the sand, it fell and great was the fall. You know, all of us, all of us encou- encounter storms in life. That's why this is so universally accepted. All of us have gone through some difficulties. Some people have many more difficulties than others. You know, some people, I'm just surprised at all the things that they've had to go through, whether it's disasters in their house and finances and employment and, and sicknesses. And, and it's just, oh, Lord, just, just give them a break. I mean, please. I mean, you can only take so much. And the question is whether you're wise or you're, whether you're foolish is how the outcome is. You know, at, at the same time, what's interesting is some people have kind of a charm life. You know, there's some people have a charmed life; they don't go through many testings. My my wife's grandmother, who I got to know briefly, um, always said that Carol lived a charmed life. She was the kind of person that if she fell into the lake, she'd come out with fish in her pockets. You know, <laughs> so if her grandmother knew how our marriage, and, and maybe there would be something different, but. but but hopefully, we're, we're charmed. We have a blessed life. We want to be able to, to, to live in a, a blessed life. And whether you're a, if you're a Christian or you're non-Christian, you're going to have some issues. You're going to have health problems. You're going to have problems of loss of your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your husband or wife. We're going to go through difficulties. And the question is, those are tests. Those are tests. And those tests will determine whether or not our house stands or our house falls. This is what 1 Peter says. He says that the genuineness of your faith, your faith is what you believe in, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith is salvation of your souls. You see, we are on a journey because we've had to choose. Do we choose the narrow gate or do we choose the broad gate? Do we follow the narrow way that's a little bit difficult but leads to life or do we take the broad way that's full of accommodations but leads to destructions? Do we li- do we listen to the false teachers that tells us a little bit of sin can be o- is okay? That that stuff really doesn't matter? Or do we follow the teachings of Jesus? Which road do we take? What... Where do we build our life? Do we build it on the rock or do we build it on sifting sand? Here's the thing. All of us are tested. Even a life that appears to be blessed, to be lucky or charmed, for example, without any struggles, heartache and loss is still tested. They're still testing in life. You know, sometimes, one some of the tests is, what are you going to do with this your success? What are you going to do with the success that you have. What are you doing for a legacy? What are you doing with your family? How do you handle success? You know, it's, it's, it's said that people that win the lottery, I don't know if you ever play the lottery. This, I mean, if you want to play the lottery, that's fine. Just don't plan on winning. But, <laughs> but it says that people that win the lottery, it's not what it's cracked up to be. It, sometimes it ruins their life. The success they're looking for ends up being a disaster for them and their family as well. They just can't handle success. The Bible actually talks about about people that have success but are foolish. It's the parable of the rich fool. In chapter twelve of Luke, Jesus says this, he says, then one of the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And I think we've learned that lesson, haven't we? We really have. We've learned that lesson. At the end of life, it really doesn't matter what you've accumulated, does it? There's something more at stake. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain man yielded plentiful. And he thought to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Then God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then... Whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You know, according to the law of the day when Jesus was teaching this, the older brother would receive a double blessing. So if there are two brothers, two-thirds of this estate would go to the older brother and one-third would go to the younger brother. So it could be that this is what's going on, that either the younger brother or the older brother is asking Jesus to intervene to make sure that the custom of the day was, was carried for her. But Jesus noticed something, and he says, Beware of covetousness, of wanting things more than what God has provided for you. That's to covet. When you covet your neighbor's goods, when you, never, you covet your neighbor's wife, or you covet other things that don't belong to you, that's covetousness. Uh, and, then, and then Jesus starts talking about this, 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 this storm, <laughs> this, this, this storm of life that came to this rich man because he was just trying to build a barn he was just trying to, to build a barn allow somebody to a, a, a place for for the stuff that he had maybe he was going down the street and getting one of those storage lockers right I mean if I was starting over again I would own a storage locker because it seems like everybody needs to have a storage locker and they put they pay hundreds of dollars to, to, to store hundreds of dollars worth of stuff you know, they will pay thousands of dollars over 6, 12, 18 months, 24 months to, to store a $100 couch. It's just amazing. But this is what he was doing. But Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Jesus is saying it's not about stuff. So let's look at this parable again. You know, people have difficulty with this parable. I teach through the parables, and people have difficulty with this parable, and I think the reason is, is because we can't figure what the man did wrong. What did he do wrong? First of all, the parable doesn't have any of those telling words that the other parables have. Those little key words that we pick up on saying, oh, that's why he's doing it. Shame on him. You know, for example, he he didn't put his lamp under a bushel. Uh, He didn't have a log in his eye. Uh, He wasn't a prodigal that deserted his family. He wasn't the older brother that was jealous of the brother when he came back. He wasn't sowing sowing, uh, weeds into the wheat. Uh, he, he wasn't putting a little leaven in a lump of dough. He wasn't a lost sheep or an unforgiving servant. He wasn't a tenant farmer who beat the king's servants. He wasn't even at the wedding without a wedding garment. Okay, those are the parables, and we have these telling words in the parables to tell us what's wrong. Uh, but this man was just, just building a barn. He had a bump or a crop, and he needed some place to put it. So, but Jesus says this. He says, fool, this night your soul will be required of you, then Whose will those things be that you have provided? See, we have this question of what did the man do wrong? But Jesus answers that question for us. In verse 21, he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What does Jesus say that he person is? He is a, a fool a fool. By the way, those those words eat, drink and be merry. I love this. this is a good example because sometimes people will say the Bible says eat, drink and be merry, but that's not a that's not a command, right? Because in context, the very next verse says Jesus says, "You fool. You fool." So you have to be careful about taking things out of context. But Jesus said the foolish man also built his house on the on the sand. The man heard the sayings of Jesus, but he did not do them. The rich man is building his barn, and he's building his barn, but at the very beginning it says that the ground produced a great crop for him. It doesn't say that he did it. It was the sun, and it was the rain, it was the things that the Lord had provided for him that gave him a bumper crop. But he never speculated, Lord, what should I do with this? It wasn't like Joseph that was being told that there was going to be seven years of famine, therefore build barns, okay? That, well, we understand that. But God wasn't telling him to build the barn because there was going to be a famine coming. In fact, the man never really consulted God at all. He wasn't rich towards God. He wasn't, that wasn't a part of his mind. It wasn't part of his process. He never even considered, for example, that there might be people that could share in that. He didn't even consider, for example, that maybe there were people that could use that, some of that abundance, that maybe he could bless other people. He didn't consider it at all. Maybe God had something very, very particular for him to do, but it was never part of the plan. Maybe God wanted him to build a barn, but he never even asked the Lord if that was what he was doing. He wasn't rich towards God. No consideration at all for the teachings of Jesus. He heard the teachings of Jesus, but he didn't apply them in his life. So let's finish up. Sermon on the Mount actually began back in chapter five. If you remember, Jesus goes to a mountainside and his disciples are gathered around him sitting at his feet and then the crowd comes and they stand in the galley and they're all listening to him and they're, they're astonished. Jesus taught them. Scholars said that it was Jesus' first sermon and it was his best sermon. The cra- crowds were amazed, amazed at his teaching. Look at what it says in verse 28 and 29 at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings and the people were astonished at his teachings. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, the word translated here, astonished, literally means, I love this, to be dumbstruck. You know, we still use that, that phrase. Sometimes you're dumbstruck. You don't even know what to say. Your mouth flops open, right? You just, you're amazed. We had a saying up in Pennsylvania, because there were deer everywhere, that it's like a deer caught in the headlights, Do you ever see that? There's so many deer, they'd be crumming across the uh, the road and be driving and and your headlights would get in the deer's eyes and they would freeze. They were dumbstruck. They were awestruck. And this is what the people are saying. They They were awestruck at what Jesus had to say. The question is, why were they awestruck? Well, it's because, I say, because they heard foundational truth. They heard truth like they had never heard it before. Jesus is the source of all truth. He's the standard by which all other truth is measured. If Jesus said it, I believe it. And and this is important as well. They were amazed at the manner of his teaching. It wasn't just the truth, but also how he taught. Have you ever gone to 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 an expert trying to understand something? It could be anything from a furnace to how to fix a leaky wall or what kind of computer to buy. And they're very, very smart. But instead of trying to tell you what you need to know, they end up telling you how smart they are. Okay. And they actually confuse you because they use all these different words and they, they, they get all over the place. And, and it's like, I, I, <laughs> I just want to know which one I should buy. You know, I'm, just, I'm looking to you for some advice because you're supposed to know, but you're confusing me rather than helping me. But Jesus wasn't that way. Jesus wasn't that way at all. Jesus used parables. He used analogies he made it easy to understand he he put he brought it down to our life this is actually what God did God became a man and he dwelt among us in order to teach us God became a man so that he could teach us but that man was the Lord Jesus who the Bible says was the word of God who created all things The creator of the universe became a man so that he could teach us. And this is why the people were astounded. Astounded. Not only did he teach them the truth, but he taught in a manner not like the scribes. How did the scribes teach? Well, the scribes were either always pointing to Moses and saying what Moses taught, or some dead rabbi. They're always quoting somebody else, but they're not quoting themselves. And that's not unusual. The Old Testament prophets did the same thing. The Old Testament prophets would say things like this. Thus says the Lord. Jeremiah, and Daniel, and Ezekiel, and Amos, okay? They all would say, thus saith the Lord. They would speak on the authority of the Lord. Jesus wasn't like that. What did Jesus say? You've heard it said, but I tell you. Jesus spoke with authority. No wonder the crowds were amazed. Jesus' teaching was unique. He spoke with his own authority, and he spoke a way that the people could actually understand. So, As I said, last week and this week as well, Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount because he's telling you that you have a decision to make. You have two roads in front of you. One has a narrow gate. It's a little difficult. The other one is broad and accommodating, but one leads to eternal life, and the other one leads to destruction. There are teachers out there, but beware of false teachers. The teachers that teach the truth will lead you to eternal life. The false teachers will take you down to the path to perdition. And you'll be going just with them as well. Because at the end of time, Jesus will tell them, I never knew you. Jesus is telling us you have two paths. You're building your life. Do you build it on the rock or do you build it on the sand? You have a decision to make. All the way through the all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us decisions. Little decisions that we could make, little ideas. Jesus, for example, taught us that we were to be salt and to and light. Salt and light. Jesus told us not to hate. Jesus said it's just like murder. Jesus taught us not to lust. He said it's actually just like adultery. He taught us about divorce. Don't do it. Jesus taught us to tell the truth and to keep our commitments. Jesus told us that if we're struck on one side of the face, to turn and give him the other cheek as well, to turn the cheek. Jesus taught us it's one thing to love your friends, but he wants us to love our enemies as well. He told us to pray. He taught us how to fast. He told us how to give. He told us to store up treasures in heaven rather than store them up here on earth. That would have been a good thing for the, the rich fool, right, that was building a barn. Jesus taught us not to worry about anything. He taught us not to judge. He told us in prayer to ask to seek and to knock, to be persistent in prayer, because God wants to answer your prayer. Would a, you as a as a father would you give a stone to somebody that's asking for bread? How much more would the father give good things to those that he that ask him? Jesus taught us to take the narrow path and to watch out for false teachers. What do we call all these teachings of Jesus? They're beatitudes, but they're also foundational truths. They're foundational truths that Jesus made it very easy for us to understand. This is what we build our life on. We build our life on the rock. See, it's not enough to say that you're a Christian. It's not enough to say that Jesus is a good teacher. It's not enough to understand Christianity. These people were astonished because he spoke truth and he talked in a way that was unlike the scribes and the the Pharisees. Jesus says, it's one thing to be astonished, but you now need to be obedient. You need to be obedient. You must faithfully follow him. That's what his disciple does, by the way. Jesus told his disciples when when the apostles came to him, what did he say? He said, Follow me. Meaning, everything else is not as important as following me. Follow me. Do what I do. Go where I go. Do the things that I do. One day, all of us will stand before Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is actually the judge. Did you know that? It's not the Father, it's Jesus. Jesus is the judge. All judgment has been handed over to the Son, the Bible says. One day you'll stand before the judge, and, he, and Jesus will be the judge, and he'll ask you whether you've been standing on the rock. Are, are you trusting in Jesus, or are you trusting in just being good enough? Or being a little better than other people? Who are you using as your standard? Are you using Jesus as your standard, who tells you what truth is, or are using the people around you as your standard saying, well, I'm at least a little better than them. One path leads to eternal life and the other path leads to destruction. The answer is easy. In life, we choose wisely. We choose Jesus. Amen? You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of faith dialogue You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.